0: This is episode 581 of the AWS podcast, released on April
1: 24th, 2023. Here at the AWS podcast, we really do love to get your feedback. One place you can do it is off the podcast page where there's a button that says submit questions and feedback, and you can record audio and send it to us, which is pretty cool. We do love to listen to it. We'd love to share it when you give us permission to as well. Please give it a go. We'd love to hear from you podcast
0: confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. This is the AWS podcast. I'm your host, Jillian Ford, and this is a very exciting episode. We are going to be talking about how generative AI can be able to help software engineers be more productive in coding. And that's really about Amazon Code Whisperer. So today we've got Doug here, uh, so, Doug, please introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to be here. I really am. This is a great topic. So I'm Doug Seven. I'm the general manager for Amazon Code Whisperer. And this topic is one clearly I love to talk about. So uh, let's get into it. Whatever you want to know, I'm here for you.
0: I think the first thing that people are probably wondering is what is Code Whisperer?
1: Yeah, for sure. Code Whisperer is a product from AWS that is designed for software developers to be more productive, to get more done uh, in what they do and to make the the job of software development more exciting, more interesting, more fun. So Code Whisper is a generative AI. It's a coding companion and it's a developer productivity tool. So when you put all those things together, it is a, a tool to help developers build software better and faster with the support of an AI coding companion. And I love that you already just kind of started to allude to
0: generative AI and how it can make software engineers more productive. But for those who aren't familiar with what generative AI is, how would you explain it to someone? Let's, do,
1: let's, let's start with a little history lesson. I think that's okay, always a good I like way it. to start. So generative AI, just contextually, generative AI is, is sort of, if you, if you think about those words and what it means, it's AI that generates something, right? It creates something. And so if we look at history, what's really interesting is you go back, you know, even just a few years back into uh, like 2019, there was this concept of large language models, language models, things that could generate some kind of output, um, usually text of some kind, in some cases, images. Well, the state of the art of a large language model in 2019 was, was based around this concept of parameters and think of it as like variables on how big and capable a language model is. And so in 2019, the state of the art of a language model was around 300 million parameters. And that, g- that kind of gives you a sense of like, oh, it's how what's at scale and what can it do and, and how can it produce some kind of output? And over the last few years, we've seen this like just explosion in the technology capabilities of generative AI of these large language models to be able to do more and more. And, and uh, frankly, not to insult anybody, but if you haven't heard of generative AI by now, uh, you've probably been hiding in a cave somewhere or on vacation somewhere because it's been pretty popular and that's because what's happened is from 2019 where we were talking about 300 million parameters to maybe 2021 or so we started talking about 100 to 200 billion parameters in these language models to you know more recently talking about 500 billion to um even now talking about maybe a trillion parameters in some of these models and so what that means is we have these you know, really large language models that are capable of understanding and, and processing what they understand and producing some output. And that might be text. That might be, you know, write me a screenplay about a, a pirate that finds some gold somewhere or whatever. And it's going to generate that output. Or it might be images. Uh, I saw a, a fun one the other day that was generate an image of cavemen taking a selfie. Right. And And here you get this image that doesn't come from anywhere. It's not pulled out of a library. It's created new. So generative AI is that. It takes all this input and all this learning and all this understanding and it produces some kind of output. And so in the context of Code Whisperer, that is a language model that is created and tuned and designed around generating software development code, right? We're going to generate Python code. We're going to generate JavaScript code. We're going to generate SQL. And so the context of what it does and how it works is really narrowly defined and narrowly focused and that can be that can be in really one of two ways give me your intent tell me what you're trying to do in the form of an english language statement tell me i want to write a function that parses a csv file and the language model behind code whisper will understand that intent and produce the software code to solve that problem for you Or you could be just writing code and it will look at the code you're writing, understand the context of the code you're writing, and make a suggestion how to finish that code, sort of this this AI-based auto-completion capability. And it might just finish that one line of code, or it might recommend 10 or 20 lines of code to say, oh, I understand what you're doing. Let me help you. And so generative AI is this really interesting space of teaching these language models to understand context and then produce some output designed around what you're doing, whether that's image generation text generation or in our case code generation it's really
0: fascinating and i love the examples that you just gave of how someone could be able to start being able to use this as part of their code but i think it'd be really helpful if you could help give someone a mental model of after they listen to this podcast they're going to go into their favorite code editor and they want to start using code whisper so how would you recommend that person start thinking about, okay, how should they think about when do they use Code Whisperer and when do they need to be able to write the code themselves and what it is that they want to do?
1: Yeah, let me, let me tackle that in two parts. Let me first tackle the mental model and then I'll tackle the how-to. So the, from a mental model standpoint, imagine, Julian, that you and I are going to sit down together to write a software application. right? so we're going to do some paired programming. And, and the, the way that this typically works is we're applying what we both know to solve one common problem. You might know something I don't know. I might know something you don't know. You might have a best practice. I might have a best practice. You might know of an open source project that does what we're trying to do. You know, all kinds of uh, of variability is in there. So we sit down and we start writing this software application. And while we're writing, we're sharing these suggestions with each other. Oh, you should do this. Oh, what about this? What about, how about that? And in doing so, we are able to produce a better application, and, and hopefully we can produce that application faster because we're applying both of our ability to that problem. Code Whisper is that coding companion that you work with in the same way. You're writing code, and code, code Whisper is just making these suggestions to you along the way. So that's the mental model, right? Think about it as that. I've got now I've got this coding companion who's kind of always with me and able to make suggestions and, and give me some hints as to what I should go do. And, and in some cases, it's just making suggestions that accelerate me. I know what I'm doing, but it's just going to help me get there faster. And in some cases, it's making suggestions for things I might not fully understand. I'm trying to do something. I know what I want to accomplish. Uh, I'm not quite sure how to get there, but Code Whisper knows how to get there, and it's going to make those suggestions just like you and I would if we were working together. So now, how do I do that? How does that work? How do I get started? Code Whisper. Is accessible in a number of different ways. The primary way that most developers will work with it is through their IDE of choice. Some of the most popular IDEs are VS Code. There's a whole JetBrains family of IDEs, including IntelliJ, uh, PyCharm, WebStorm, you name it. There's all kinds of them. The way that these developers work is that they work in their IDE, they go install the AWS toolkit from the extension marketplace. CodeWhisper is part of the AWS toolkit. So it's tucked right in there, easy to use. Um, You go into the AWS Toolkit, you say, start Code Whisper, and you only do that one time. The first time you start Code Whisper, and then every time you're using your IDE, it's just running. So Code Whisper is sort of ephemeral, right? It's just ambient, it's part of your environment now, and it's running. And then as you're writing code, that context of what you're doing is being analyzed by Code Whisper, and Code Whisper starts making suggestions for you. So as you're writing a comment, you know, let's let's say, let's take an example. If I write a comment that says, well, I'll go back to the example I used earlier. I want to I want to parse a CSV file. So I write a comment that says a function to parse a CSV file and I hit the return key. As soon as I hit the return key, Code Whisper is going to give me a recommendation. It says, oh, I understand that. I know what you want to do. And then it's going to recommend, most likely what it'll start with is recommending a function signature. Oh, this is what you want to do. Is this, does this look right to you? Here's a function name. Here's some parameters that might be part of that function signature. And you look at that and you go, yeah, that looks right. Hit the tab key and that gets written into the IDE. Hit the return key and then boom, the function itself shows up. Okay, well, if you wanna parse a CSV file, here's what you're gonna gonna read a file, you're gonna do these things, blah, 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 blah. And it gives you all the code to do that. And you look at it and you go, yep, that's right. And you hit the tab key and it writes it into your IDE. So now writing that uh, function started with just writing a comment and in about five seconds, you wrote the entire function. Because right? Code Whisper just said, oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. If the recommendation that you see isn't quite right, you're like, ah, eh, I get what you're trying to do, but that's not what I'm trying to do. You can simply hit the arrow key to the right, and that'll cycle you through up to five different recommendations. And if you find one that's right, you hit tab and accept it. If none of them are right, you just ignore it and keep typing. And then that recommendation disappears. And as you're typing, Code Whisper will make another inference. Oh. I see what you're doing. It's a little different than what I thought. Let me give you another recommendation. And you can kind of go through that cycle. And all of it is designed to be very, like I said, very ephemeral, just sort of an ambient part of your experience, non-intrusive. If you don't like what it's doing, you just keep typing and it goes away. If you like what it's doing, you hit tab and it gives it to you. So it makes the process of writing software. It doesn't change any behavior. You don't have to do anything new. I don't have to learn a new key combination. I don't have to learn a new gesture. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. The only difference is, oh, I got a recommendation, tab to accept. That's really exciting. So it sounds
0: like really the two main ways are either before you start actually writing your code, you can put a comment that explains in plain English of what you want to do, or you can already start writing your code and Code Whisperer can infer what it is that the code should be doing and provide you with a recommendation of what that
1: code is. Did I get those two use cases right? Spot on. That's exactly yes. right. <laughs> you, you you win. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly that. I can I can either describe my intent and get a code recommendation, or I can just do what I'm doing and get some some code suggestions along the way that say, "Oh, I get it. You're trying to do this," and maybe that's just finishing the line of code that I'm writing, or maybe it's giving me an entire function. Perfect. And
0: I hope when people hear that, they can start to say, "Okay, wow, this." Can definitely make me more productive. And it's not something that I have to really learn how to incorporate into my workflow. It's just something that is, like you said, that coding companion that can really help you be
1: more productive. Yep. It's the easiest thing to learn how to use because you don't really have to do anything. Yeah. Once you install the AWS Toolkit and and start Code Whisper, it just starts working. You don't have to, like I said, you don't have to learn new key combinations. You don't have to learn how to do anything. It just kind of does its thing. I love it. And you gave an example
0: earlier about having to edit a CSV file. So in that case, does that mean that it's not just for AWS specific use cases, it could be
1: for other non-AWS specific use cases? Yeah, that's exactly right. So if you think about if I, if we go back to the conversation we we're having around how these large language model generative AI things work, you know, arguably you could say much like a human, you got you have to train them to do something. And so you you teach them by giving them lots and lots and lots of examples. And so we go and we get you know millions and billions of lines of code from public sources or from Amazon or from wherever, and teach these language models like this is what software development looks like. So if you want to write software, this is what it looks like, and this is what it looks like in uh, you know TypeScript, and this is what it looks like in Scala, and this is what it looks like in C plus plus, and we, we teach it these things, and then. When when it's generating code for you, it it understands these patterns, it understands these things, and it's looking at at what it knows about software development, and it's not pulling from a library of existing code snippets. It's looking at what it's learned and saying, okay, I understand this pattern, and I can produce an output for you that matches what you want to do. So... interesting that you said that it's understanding these
0: patterns. So in that case, is it improving over time based off of the actual
1: developer's coding style or the code that they've written? Yeah, there's two really interesting aspects to that. And one of them is the the idea of context, right? So just like going back to my example, if you and I were to sit down and write some code, um, the more that we both understand the context of what we're doing, the more we can apply our knowledge to that problem space, right? So so you can imagine when you when you're going to sit down and write some code and you open up and you say okay let me create a new blank javascript file so now i've got a blank slate and i'm going to start typing code. So there's not a lot of context there maybe there's the name of the file right if i name the file hashing utility.js right okay well i've got some context that this is probably about hashing so i'll think about that but it's really blank as i start writing code all the code that i provide in that file is more context and so what I'm doing on line one, two, and three doesn't have a lot of context, but what I'm doing on line 100, 200, you know, now there's a whole lot of context there, and so the Code Whisper is able to respond to that context. So, for example, if I were to write a a, a function, and then after I wrote the function, I want to write a unit test for that function. Well, Code Whisper now understands that function and can produce a unit test that matches the intent of that function, what it's supposed to do. So now, instead of me having to write a unit test, I can just generate unit tests really quickly and easily based on that context. So that's one part of it. So that's not really learning, that's just understanding context. And then the other part of it is, the way that, the way that Code Whisper operates is that these code fragments, the, the, the context that you're working in, is sent into the service and the service looks at that and makes an inference and produces a recommendation. As we collect those fragments, you know, over time we're able to retrain the model based on what we know. This is a combination of like getting more source data from a, a variety of places, including from Amazon itself, to say let's you know we've got more data now we can learn more. And the data that it comes into the service through developers writing code and learning from what developers are doing and making the model smarter, if you will, like improving uh, what the model knows about how developers work. Um, of course. We want we want to be flexible, and so part of what uh, you can do as a developer if you wanted to is in the configuration settings, you can say, you know what, I'll, I'll send my code to you so you can give me an inference, but I don't want you to store and, and save that code. I don't want you to use my code for retraining. so that you can always opt out of that. I love that option for people. Yeah. So one thing that I
0: think is really interesting about Code Whisperer is a security scanning. Can you tell people about how that actually works? What is it scanning for?
1: Absolutely. So this kind of goes back to one of our sort of foundational principles in terms of if we're going to produce a generative AI, we're going to produce, you know, we're going to build something that, that creates new code. It's not Like I said, It's again, it's not pulling from a library of, you know, a dictionary of code snippets. It's creating new code. So in doing so, we can have a pretty good sense of what it's capable of and what it's able to do. But as with anything that's generative, you know, lots of things can happen. We do a lot of work to make sure that the code generation coming out of code Whisper is really good, that it's not toxic, it's not biased, it doesn't have security vulnerabilities, it doesn't include sensitive information. You know, we do a lot of work to make sure that what's coming out of it is, is really good. It is possible with anything that's generative that you'll get an undesirable result, or what's even more likely is you're getting code recommendations, and then you're augmenting those code recommendations with your own code, and the combination of those things might create some kind of problem. And so, part of our philosophy was, we need to we need to take a very responsible approach to AI. If we're going to be generating code, we need to make sure we're very responsible not only in how we generate the code, but the tools we give you to work with that code. And so, what we did is, we collaborated with our partners in the Code Guru team, who provide a bunch of code reviewing tools and code scanning tools as part of a CI/CD pipeline. And we said, hey, can we take that code reviewer capability and do kind of a shift left, move it? From, you know, keep it in the CI CD pipeline for sure. But also let's bring it into the IDE. Let's give that capability to our developers while they're in the IDE before they commit the code to check that code and see if it's got any vulnerabilities in it or if it's got any issues in it. And so that code reviewer capability, the code scanning capability that we include in Code Whisper is based on what's in Code Guru. And it's able to scan for top security vulnerabilities. You know, it'll look for things like SQL injection and code injection and hard-coded uh, authorization tokens and uh, personally identifiable information in some cases. You know, so it's designed to just, uh, I often talk about it as, uh, it's kind of like a seatbelt, right? It's there to help keep you safe. And the idea is that it doesn't run all the time. Most of Code Whisper just runs all the time. Like I said, it's very ambient, right? Code scanning is something that you invoke when you're ready. You say, okay, I've done a bunch of work. Before I put it into the CI/CD pipeline, let me run a code scan. And that code scan is not going to run only on the generated code. It's going to run on all the code, the code that you wrote and the code that code Whisper provided and tell you if there's any vulnerabilities in that code.
0: Really exciting. So going back to the generative AI, the, the buzzword really of the day, if people probably read all over the internet, people might be thinking, oh my gosh, this must be expensive. So what do you say to someone that who has that concern?
1: Yeah, you would you would think that, but that is not the case. One of the things we wanted to do here is really make this very accessible to as many people as we could. The, again, the idea behind Code Whisper is let's make the developer experience better. Let's make developers more productive. Let's make them uh, faster at what they do, and let's let's help them enjoy the process of developing software. So when we released Code Whisper, we, we decided to do do it in the where we have two options. So, if you're a developer who typically seeks out your own tools, you go get your own tools and you work on your own in that way, CodeWhisper is free. The only thing you need to do is sign up for what's called an AWS Builder ID, which is just an email address and a password. And that's the way you authenticate into CodeWhisper. You get all the code generation capabilities across 15 different programming languages. We've got Python, Java, JavaScript, TypeScript, C Sharp, C, C++, Scala, Python, Ruby, Rust, Go, SQL, uh, shell script. I'm probably missing something in that list. Um, so you get all of that code generation capability. You get code scanning capability that we talked about. We have another capability called Reference Tracker, which is a really important one because when code recommendations happen, it's very possible that we might make a recommendation that looks a lot like some of the training data that we have. In which case, we can identify that and say, oh, actually, this is code from a licensed open source project. So let me, let me tell you. That. And again, this is just like if you and I were coding. You're like, hey, I know this open source project. We should use this thing. Hey, here's code from a licensed open source project. By the way, it's under an MIT license. By the way, it's under an Apache license, whatever it is. And here's a URL. You can go check it out, and we'll log that reference for you so that you can you can track that and follow that. So you know what code you're using and what it's doing. That's all included in Code Whisper that we don't charge any money for. You can just get it and use it and, and run with it. And so we want developers to be happy and productive and run uh, as fast as they can. For organizations that want to roll Code Whisper out to their entire organization and want to have some oversight, they want to be able to manage who has access to Code Whisper, they want to Apply some policy around whether or not you can or cannot use open source references, and so they want to uh, maybe they want to disable that feature organizationally. And they want to have some of that control. We have a version of Code Whisper that's nineteen dollars per user per month, and it gives the organization the capability to use single sign-on and have that administration oversight that they want. When you said free,
0: is it free tier or
1: free? <laughs> <laughs> free, free. Uh, it's free. Wow. <laughs> It is literally go into your favorite code editor, install the AWS toolkit, sign up for a builder ID, start Code Whisper. never pay us. That's wild. I've never heard of it. That is absolutely wild. I mean, there's really no
0: excuse for why someone shouldn't at least try it. I mean, if it's going to make you more productive, and now we're in a time where people are thinking about how can I be more productive with my time? If you're a startup, how can you be able to be more productive given you have such a lean team? And I mean, this is one way of being able to do that. It's
1: awesome. Exactly. It would be it would be a little bit like Jillian if you offered to help me build a software application at no cost.
0: You're just going to be a good friend. You're going to be a
1: good friend, and you're going to come over and help me, and you're not going to charge
0: me for it. (laughs) <laughs> the absolute mic drop moment. So now you've already told people what the languages are, the fact that there is an even option to try it for free. So where can people go if they want to be able to learn more about Code Whisper and get started with it?
1: Yeah, like I said, the easiest thing to do is just go into the IDE, install the AWS toolkit. When you look at there's a you know a side panel for the toolkit and there's a little panel that says developer tools, and it's right there. It's super easy. So that's the easiest way to get into it. Just start doing that. If you are a user of AWS Cloud9, it's built into Cloud9. If you're a user of the Lambda console, it's built into the Lambda console. So all of these ways are just the easiest way to get started. If you want to learn more about it, of course, if you go to aws.amazon.com slash you that's know, where you'll find all the information about Code Whisper and, and what we have there. You'll find links to the documentation and all the different information. I'm excited for all
0: of the developers right now who get this opportunity to be able to use something, a free option to get started, be more productive. This is really cool. Doug, thank you
1: so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm yeah, I'm always excited to talk about this. So anytime you want to talk, I'm happy to come talk about it. I love it.